0: In the following live session recording, Joe Graham, lead state missionary in collegiate ministry with Georgia Baptist Mission Board, talks about connecting students with your church. Students are a great source of energy for your church if you know how to effectively connect them. This session will review lots of ways for the church to connect with students and give them significant opportunities to grow and serve. Let's join Joe now. I am one of those folks, number one, I, I on purpose do not have a really sexy audiovisual presentation because I'd rather talk with folks and look in their eyes and figure out whether I'm connecting with what they need and I, after all these years, I can usually do that pretty quickly. Number two, it seems like everybody's got to have a sexier audiovisual presentation than the last guy and I'm not competing for anybody. Uh, and the third reason, is students live their lives like this and what we're desperately trying to to help those who work with college students help college students learn that this is not that this is a this is a world you can escape to but it's not the world that's going to help you when your life is is not going well. It's not the world that's going to provide any kind of long-lasting peace for you. Um, and that's found in relationship. We know it's found in relationship ultimately with Jesus Christ. But the only way a lot of these kids are going to find out about a relationship with Jesus Christ is if they have one with you first. And so... If nothing else, uh, uh, what all of you are talking about is how do we learn how to model a healthy relationship with Christ. Um, And if I were leading a parenting class, I would start it the same way. College ministry, though, it's so vital. Think about what they've been through. They've, They've been children, and they've gone to VBS, and they've been in very graded Sunday school classes all their lives. They get to the youth program and the average youth program, surely not your church where you are, but the average youth program, just trying to keep them occupied and busy and out of trouble and, and, and just uh, it, what happens along the way is we, we keep them occupied but we don't help them become disciples, any stronger disciples. And then we get them in college and they oftentimes they're looking for the next great worship experience. They're looking for the next great place where they can sit and be fed. They're looking for the next great experience that leaves them feeling close to Christ at the end of the hour. But that's not going to give them what they need to live to form relationships, to have marriages, to have children, to live lives um, and so it, it's a it's a challenging time. I wanna, I think I wanna, well, one thing I wanna start with is to give you all a little information about a new emphasis with our department that's gonna touch churches as well as Baptist Collegiate Ministry. Do y'all know what a BCM is when I say that? BCM or BSU? That is the organization on our college campuses that Georgia Baptist supports. The campus ministers that, that work with me. Uh, all work not only to help churches, but they're there with the campus organization called Baptist Collegiate Ministry. When some of us were younger, it was called Baptist Student Union. And so you may know BSU. It's it just switched letters. It hadn't changed all that much. But BCM is the on-campus ministry of Georgia Baptist in that association and in that part of the state. And so we, we provide leadership on campus And through that, invite the churches to be a part of that. That's a part of your question, I think, is that you don't have to fight for a place to relate on campus at Kennesaw State. Is that the one you're thinking about? We have a campus minister there. We have a Baptist Collegiate Ministry there. It's it's a matter, first and foremost, of finding who that person is and getting to know them. And here's how hard it is for you to be involved come to a meeting. <laughs> now, if we're on the main campus, you probably have to pay to park. But if we're on the southern poly side, it it you yeah, we have a good sized parking lot. <laughs> you can come park for free. Um, so you there
1: excuse me, sir, do you have a listing of all of the uh, campuses.
0: I do. We've undergone do some changes. Rec- let me gabcm.org. gabcm.org is is the place to go and you can click on every campus in the state and you can find out who that person is. We, we had a retirement at Kennesaw so the person who's there now is Ken Jones and after we're finished I'll give you some specific contact information on him because he just started last week. He's a retiree, he was at North Georgia for years and years and years and he's helping us out at Kennesaw after we had a retirement there as well. So there, there is an organization of folks all around the state like Brian, other campus ministers who are they're there, they're available to you. Tony Gray is our campus minister who is at, at Georgia State Newton, which is out in your direction of the world. He's also at Georgia Gwinnett. So we have campus ministers all over the state and their job is to be a resource to you. My job is to be a resource to you. It's just, just a matter and I do have some cards, I'll pass those out. When we're done, but GABCM will get you to the place where you can get all the information you need about the focus. One of the things we're focusing on now is what we're and, and it may change names, but we're calling it the farm team. A- any baseball fans in the crowd? I'm not
1: the only one go
0: We need a bullpen, but yes, I'm with you. Um, well, even with football, there there are practice squads, uh, so you, you could also call this the practice squad. But farm team is kind of what we're going with, because, for instance, the Braves are the professional level team, but there are three other levels of professional baseball under that: the Triple A, Double A, Single A, and then Rookie League. And what we're trying to create is an atmosphere where we see collegiate ministry as a bit of the farm team, uh, in essence probably the AAA farm team because if we're training them well in leadership and discipleship and missions mobilization, by the time they get to be juniors or seniors in college, they've received enough training that they should be ready to attach in a leadership role to a local church. So oftentimes what happens with local churches is we, we try to provide, you know, y'all come be a part of our church. And they'll come and sit for a while, but college students want to be involved. They don't just want to come and sit. They want to be actively involved. So what we're trying to do with our farm team is by the time they're juniors, certainly by the time they're seniors, we're trying to help them to discover spiritual gifts, their personality, their passion in ministry. And we're going to try to match them up, not with the biggest churches in town, but with some of the medium to smaller sized churches who need that, Young leadership, and so if a student if a if a college senior has 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 been in bCM has participated, maybe been a summer missionary, maybe had a leadership role, but they find themselves their senior year, and they're not quite sure what to do with themselves, they should have received some some training in personality in spiritual giftedness in ministry passion, and we want to try to take that young lady who has a real passion for children and whose spiritual gifts line up in such a way. There's, there are churches surrounding every one of these campuses where they would love to have a college senior who can come and work with their children. Love to have a college senior who can come and work with their youth choirs or their children's choirs. Love to have, and this is the group I'm about to explain that really is at the heart of this, would love to have somebody come work with their high school juniors and seniors. The common theory is that we're losing kids after high school. I, I, we are some but I, I wanna, and this, this isn't being defensive from the college side, we're losing them before they graduate from college, uh, from high school. If they have a job, if they have a boyfriend or girlfriend, if they have a car, you're really already in the process of losing them and one of the ways I I make this point is think back did you all have a graduate's recognition time in your church in May Um, and depending on the size of your church this will be more or less true Uh, I was with a church near Augusta and I simply asked the student minister at the end of the service "All, all these kids you know they had about 15 I said. How long's it been since you've seen some of those kids? And he said, I've never seen some of them. <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm told, he, he hadn't been in that church long, but I'm told that they haven't seen some of them in four or five years. So, what? one of the things that's happening in our youth ministries, in, in the ministry that you're a part of right now, is in most cases we're combining senior high kids with junior high kids. And, and I just need to—I need to break the news to you all. Your average junior and senior in high school does not want to be around kids who think this is funny.
2: True.
0: They just don't. I called them electric chihuahuas before. They are. They are. And so, a junior and senior in high school—they're around all these middle schoolers. There's all this silliness going on. They have a job. They have a girlfriend. I mean, and 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 they just begin to drift away and it becomes more official when they graduate. But I think it starts even when they're juniors and seniors. And so what we want to do with this farm team, especially for those who feel called to work with you, we want to try to put uh, college seniors, some juniors into that role in churches who can have something special for juniors and seniors in high school. We think it will meet a huge need in the church. We think it will meet a huge need in helping kids carry over to active faith in college. There's just all kinds of reasons why this makes sense. But we're, we're just kind of kicking it off. Uh, we've, we've got the, the guts of it beginning to happen. You'll see some more about it this year. Um, but as our Baptist Collegiate Ministries are shaping their leadership teams, which usually happens in February, March... We're going to encourage everyone to have a student leader, whose job it is to help these kids develop and hand them off to a local church. In other words, we're we're going to try to give them away. We're not we're not going to worry about counting them on Tuesday nights or Monday nights at the program on campus. We want to make sure they're not just connected to a local church. We want every kid to be connected to your church on Sunday. It, I mean. There isn't any other group on campus that's trying to connect kids to your church on Sunday morning, like Baptist Collegiate Ministries. But we really want some of these older college students to connect in more than just a way of showing up at your church. We want them to show up as leaders and, and to help you all and to help them be ready to, to not just sit in the back and see what's going on in the youth program. I, I would love it if we could have a guy and a girl who could go and work with the high school juniors and seniors and actually provide some separate leadership for the for the guys and the girls uh, that's in a perfect world unicorns glitter all kind of, i mean that that's not it, we'll see how long it takes that to happen, but that would be if we could have a series of of places where we're placing. Uh, a, a college senior guy and a college senior girl who can really invest in your older youth—we're we're, going to be doing what we want. That's that's our—that's how we're going to define success with this. How many kids are we placing in local churches who are taking on that kind of role? So that's that's one thing we're pretty excited about, and something that will relate directly to you all. Let me, let me hand this out. This is going to be kind of the guts of what we do. It's kind of hard to pass this around, but everybody. nobody's close enough. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Everybody gets to sign this at one. Or two. Mm-hmm. More handouts, thanks.
2: Um,
0: and we're gonna we're gonna move not real fast through this. I'm gonna trust you all to ask me questions and slow me down when we want to, because each of these. Is it four or five points are or, or important to what I think we need to do today. You want to develop a college group in your church, uh, I will have churches that will call me and say, would you come meet with our college leaders? We want to start a college ministry in our church. And I, I sit down and I ask this question, which leaves people just staring at me. I'm, I'm sitting with a church and the leaders from that church says, well, how many college groups do you have? Wait, wait, we're, we asked you to come here and help us develop our college group. I asked the question for a reason, because you probably don't have a college group. You probably have at least two, maybe as many as four, and now you really think I'm nuts. You, you have kids who, who head off from your church and they go away to school and they're basically away. They may come back on the holidays, may come back over the summer, may not. These kids are, they're, they're a part of your group and they're important and you don't ever need to forget about them, but they're mostly away. You have kids who are away at school, but close enough that they may come home every weekend or most weekends. You have kids that are going to school close by and and in essence, they, they're commuters, they live, they're gonna be there on Wednesday nights if they come. They're they're a much more active, regular part of the church. And, you know, there may even be other groups based on where you are and what you like. But here's what the average church does when they're ready to plan college events. They wait until Christmas. And that Sunday when everybody's there, and they say, everybody's here, let's plan what we're going to do next year. Let's plan fellowships. Let's plan what we're going to do with our with our uh, curriculum what we're going to do with small groups and what you end up having is is kids who are not going to be regularly a part of that Um, it 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 just happens I've watched it happen where some of the kids that are away real strong in their academics and they're used to being leaders and they pop in there and they lead in a process that they're not going to be a part of they plan fellowships that they're not going to come to they, they plan that weekly curriculum of what we're going to study, what Bible, you know, are we gonna, what are we going to use, what are we going to do, and they're not going to be there. And so it, I think the first question, even and probably by now people don't think I'm quite so nuts with it after I've explained it, you've, you've got to plan for each group. And I think you have to have an adult in your church who has a kid in each of those groups who says, I'm going to make sure this group doesn't get ignored. The, the kids that are away all the time, most of the time, they still need to get your church newsletter. They still, it could still, you don't necessarily send cookies through the mail anymore, but to get a, to get a gift card to to the Great American Cookie Company or whatever is close to where they are, there are ways we can stay in contact and love the kids that are away all the time. But the kids who need to be planning what you're going to do regularly need to be the kids that are going to be there regularly and they need to have a leadership role. And, and here's the big difference with college ministry compared to youth or children. In children's ministry, you do it for them. In, in youth ministry, you pretty much plan it for them. If you plan college ministry for them, they'll smile at you, they'll love you, but they're not coming. With college ministry, they need to be an active part of the planning and the implementation uh, in Baptist Collegiate Ministry, we call, we say we're a student-led but campus minister-directed organization. That's what I encourage churches to do. Let it be a student-led ministry. But you got to have an adult in the room. You, they're, they're guardrails that each church need to have. Not every idea that a college student comes up with is a good idea. Uh, but most of them are. And these kids are are really they're ready to lead, and most churches don't know how to let college students lead. We, we remember them when we pinched a chick and said, aren't you cute? And, and, and this kid's ready to do more than hand out bulletins on Sunday morning. This kid's ready to, to be an active part. Now that doesn't mean you put them in charge of the deacons. But what what are the what are the ways we can begin to do that? So, that's what number one is i'm gonna trust you all to stop me along the way you know these people that say hold your questions to the end they don't really want you to ask questions i I want you all to stop me along the way uh, so we don't go too fast know their generation and i'm I'm not going to try to go through every one of these this is the the area where i realized i i had to add some stuff take away some stuff This list here was probably about four years old. Uh, Paige was here last night. This generation has all the hope and promise, and and by this generation, I'm talking about Generation Z, kids that are basically college juniors and below starting this year. All the promise in the world. This is an exciting group of kids. They want to be involved. They want to be active. They want to be they 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 really want to live out their faith and give themselves away and here comes the other side of it they want to do it in a world that's safe they don't they don't want to be challenged with other ideas they don't want to be challenged with people who think differently um, a an example of that would be in the last presidential election and I'm This is not a political thing. This is an example of what I'm talking about. On the campus of Emory University, about three or four weeks before the election between Trump and Hillary Clinton, somebody took chalk on a sidewalk at Emory University and wrote down, Trump 2016. The campus almost went on lockdown. Students were afraid to walk across campus. They were afraid to go to the dining hall. They had tests over the next two or three days. They were afraid to go out. They And here, here's the word that you heard. It just doesn't feel safe out there. There's somebody on this campus who thinks that way. Again, this isn't about politics. I'd be giving you the same example if they'd said Clinton for President 2016. But you, you've got kids who, who just, they're scared. And, and there are good reasons for it. This, this generation has only known mass shootings. This generation came along after 2001, the, the, the attacks in New York, uh, 9-11. This, these are kids who uh, at, two weeks ago we had two mass shootings in one weekend. These are kids who they just they want to live their lives and, and given a chance they want to be a positive influence on it but, but they just don't feel safe. They <laughs> even and, and here's another example that we could have given last night. They've been trained how to how to handle active shooter situations in their schools, but it's not okay just to come out of school where there may be an active shooter. You've got to come out like this, because you may not be safe walking out like this. So, in the midst of safety, they, they, they're, they're coming out of a dangerous situation, still having to prove and, and, and This will date me significantly. I remember having to get under the desks because of the fear of a nuclear attack. There would just be a quick word, quick word and and what you had to do was roll under your desk and turn your face away from the windows because you would be blinded by the nuclear flash. Why in the world anybody would blow up Bradford, Virginia was a mystery to me. Well, actually, there was an ammunition plant not too far from there. So it wasn't all that unrealistic. But we did it. But it it didn't affect my ability to go out and play all over half the side of the county. It didn't affect my parents. I mean, we grew up out in the country and we just did everything everywhere. Think now, if you have children, grandchildren, would you, you're going to let your kids ride their bike? Two miles away from your house? <laughs> are, are, are you going to... You know, I my bedtime, or or I knew during the summertime, it was my job to be home by dark. Can, can any of you imagine saying to your children or grandchildren today, just be home by dark? So this is the atmosphere. We, we grew up, having some of that freedom, having a a culture around us that wasn't as scary. This culture is scary. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what socioeconomic culture you're in. This is scary world. And these kids have grown up. This has been their norm for as long as they've been alive. And, And I don't think we really understand well enough what it's like to grow up scared like that. So when they talk about wanting safe spaces, when they talk the levels of anxiety and depression among this generation of college students is off the chart. The level of suicide is going up double digits most years. Um, Average campus minister that I work with could spend every day, all day, counseling and an enormous percentage of that is anxiety and depression. Now one of the things Sarah did a really good job of talking about last night is just because you're anxious about something doesn't mean that it's all that bad for you. You ought to be anxious going into a geometry test. You ought to be, there, there should be a normal level of anxiety going into a, a science quiz. When you stand up to bat or when you go into the football game or when you go into the basketball game, there ought to be a little flutter. There's a little nervousness, but these kids, these these kids have had parents that have just cleared every obstacle out of their way, and and because we have thought they were somewhat fragile, we've created an environment where we actually make them more fragile, mm-hmm. and and it, we think we're helping, as parents and grandparents. And one of the things Sarah talked about last night was how important it is that kids actually have the experience of failing from time to time. Not, you, not, not, not falling small. off a cliff. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not going to make a hundred on every test. You're, you're not, you're not going to be at the top of your class all the time. Mm-hmm. That, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some times when I got C's and my parents and I celebrated C's. But the more I went through school, the higher my grades got, the more focused I was on my education and, and the, the more serious I was about things. These kids are so serious. These, these are kids who even in elementary school are being channeled into lives and careers and educational directions. These are kids who arrive in college, top of their class at your, at your high school and all of a sudden they're in a room full of people who are at the top of their class and somebody isn't gonna be at the top of that class. Matter of fact, a lot of somebody aren't gonna be at the top of that class. And they 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 feel they're not only scared about that, but they feel like a failure. We have we had a student a couple of years ago who basically kept showing up, told us he was this was at the University of Georgia. He's 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 a sophomore and he would talk about his classes and he would talk about all these things. We learned later that he actually failed out after his freshman year, but he wouldn't tell anybody. He wouldn't tell his parents. He didn't want to be a failure. And so he's living in a car on campus and he's he's giving the impression to all the world that he's fine, he's a success, life's normal. These these kids are very afraid of that kind of thing. And that's a lot of what this Know Your Generation is all about. Some of the very distinctive things. I don't know if you've glanced through that. Are there any of these in particular you'd like to talk about? Because we could spend ten minutes on each one, and that probably wouldn't be a good idea.
2: Uh, Point G, uh, when you said they are wary of long commitments, is is that in... um, (laughs) Is that addressing uh,
0: planning too far in advance or maybe a project being too long? But in, can you talk a little about The, that? the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, a good example, and, and we experienced this with a couple of college grads this time. We have an internship program and we, we had interviewed, uh, it ended up being two people who did this exact same thing, mm-hmm. interviewed they went to visit that campus, yes I'd like to be an intern here working with BCM. Uh, We submitted all their paperwork, they were approved, and it was time to send in one more additional thing and it didn't come. Email, I still need this from you. Didn't come. I say to the campus minister, you need to get in touch with your new intern because I still haven't gotten Well, I've tried two or three times, but I'm not hearing back from him either. Mm -hmm. And finally, we hear, usually around the back from somebody else, oh, they've decided not to. We had one kid that took a different job after we had gotten that far. Well, I've decided to stay here and get a job with a church in Louisiana. And we had another young lady who just just decided she wasn't going to do it after all that. So... It's also a matter of planning of an event. Uh, Next weekend, uh, the best way I know to explain it is, if I'm 19 and I tell you I'm gonna be at something next Saturday, Mm -hmm. I have every intention of being there next Saturday. But if something comes up in two days that I'd rather do, you know, I, I told you I'd be there based on what I knew then. But what I know now, I'm I'm gonna do this instead. And that leaves us just
1: Yes. I, that leads us with a lesson on commitment. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's the adult in me coming out. Well so,
0: so Yes. You, well, you're normal too.
1: <laughs> so so
2: what's, what's the how do you how do you adjust that? You know, because being you know, our church is very small. Uh, So a lot of us are wearing a lot of hats, Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel that this is one thing that's allowing me or causing me to lose some of them, right? -hmm. Uh, But they. But you're
0: expecting things of them. Yes, exactly.
2: So is it me that needs to be (laughs) flexible in in their spontaneity that way, or 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 is it a lesson in commitment? Where's the balance?
0: I know you're gonna throw something at me, but the answer is still yes. yes.
2: <laughs>
0: it, it, it is all the above. You, if, if you always cater to the lowest common denominator and what somebody's willing to commit to, mm-hmm. you, you don't help them and you don't help your ministry. At the same time, in both of these cases, I sent an email to the person. I know their email address worked. Mm-hmm. I just want you to understand the position you've placed this BCM and this campus minister it is now too late to replace you Mm -hmm. and this person is going to have to and then I experienced what we talked about later last night something called ghosting you know what it is to be ghosted Mm -hmm. it's what I experienced after I sent that email Mm -hmm. I was completely I mean I just didn't exist in these two people's world Mm -hmm. I'm not going to answer your email I'm, I'm you're it, and I think you'll understand this terminology, in a way, you're dead to me, mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. I, you, you have expected something of me. I, I committed to that, but something else came along that I wanted to do instead, and you're putting pressure on me, and you're making me feel uncomfortable, and I'm just gonna block you out. Why is this
1: so common? Because in, in our time, it was not something that you dare do. If you're not going to commit to it, you call the person up and say, I can't make it, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Yeah. Or if if the job you don't want anyone to say, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm I found something else or this but, doesn't fit me. But I don't they want you to think
0: do I don't I don't want you to think less of me. I don't I don't want you to I don't want you to be mad at me. Possibility of
2: conflict.
0: Yeah. This I I don't I don't wanna I don't want to have to tell you why. I, I shouldn't have to tell you why. I'm, I'm speaking as a sure. as a kid. Now. I I shouldn't have to explain to you why I've changed my mind. You're making me feel uncomfortable. You're you're putting pressure on me. This is stressing me out, and it just kind of elevates to DEFCON five. Mm-hmm. And and instead of blowing up, you're dead to them. And it, it happens now. What are all the reasons it happens? Uh, we talked about some of them. This is a generation that wants to feel safe. This is a generation that that doesn't want you to think poorly of them. This is a generation that wants to look good. They they want to be they want to be good in the eyes of everybody. They they want to dress in a way that's approved by their peers. They want to act in a way. They they it's it. The girls in the little black dresses in college, it's still just as real as can be. (laughs) You know, and and they'll show up. We had a joint worship service at UGA last Sunday. Churches came together and we had some. We got people wearing little black dresses to worship services on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Because they want to look good. And I don't want anybody to think less of me. We actually advertised it as roll out of bed at 9 o'clock, come over to the student center in your pajamas and we'll all go to the dining hall for breakfast afterwards. Nobody showed up in pajamas. I wouldn't. Somebody might think less of me. Somebody might, you know. You're dressed to look like good
2: to go to the club. Yeah. Not looking good to come to a church, but looking good to go to
0: the club. It, it's not that I want to look good for church. I want to look good for the people whose opinion of me counts. And you'd like to think that your opinion as a church leader is the one that they're trying no 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 <laughs> it's, it's not it's not you that they want to look good in the eyes of it's peers and it's, it's those not kind not of that. things okay. I'm yeah. so okay like I said we can spend 10 minutes on everyone anything else on this list that gets you
2: what about W they share a new fanny with their grandparents
0: yeah I, this, this is something that's been true for a long time now I, I go to senior adult conferences in Georgia Baptist life and I implore senior adults please be involved in college ministry in your church here's why And it, any grandparents in the room okay what is the difference between you as a grandparent and when you were a parent all the difference in the world <laughs> uh, the one of the examples I would give is, is our first grandchild is 13 now but when she was in preschool she was 4 years old and our daughter called us one day embarrassed crying mortified Josie bit somebody in daycare today mm-hmm. and I remember when my child would do something like that I remember and she she's embarrassed she, she's all these things And what did I say as a grandparent? What'd the other kid do? And and pretty soon, Jennifer's listening to me, and she said, Dad, are you laughing? No. Trying to keep from it. So, and I, I know that's a weird answer to your question, but what is the difference between grandparents and parents? Grandparents and people of that generation with college students—they just love college students. They—they're just going to love them. They're going to accept them the same way I—I I accept my four grandkids, different as they can be, personalities as different as they can be. But my my job is not to fix them. My job is to love them and give them Mountain Dew before they go home. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's easy to love my grandkids. And with senior adults in college ministry, it's easy to love college students.
1: When we have like special dinners at our church, um, we have, uh, ever so often, we'll get our college and our older youth to be the servers. And mm-hmm. they go out and they serve. We let our seniors go first. And that yeah. is the way they serve.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They sh- yeah, we should do that. Not no, my church. I'm not have a member, church, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they let the yeah use no
1: service. Yes. Real, yeah, worked out real good. they love us. Serving as a baby,
0: literally. Yeah. There, there's an affinity. I can't explain it completely, other than my experience in being a grandparent, and and even my experience now. I'm not a campus minister. I work with campus ministers, so it's it's like college students are kind of grand students to me. And so, when I go on campus, and, and I try to be in on our campuses as much as I can, but I will sometimes try to find that student who doesn't quite fit in or who seems to be struggling, and I just kind of adopt that student through the year. We had a young lady at Georgia State a couple of years ago. Uh, she was introduced to me as Jay. Uh, campus minister said, her her name is Jessica, sometimes she'll answer to Jess, but she really prefers Jay. She's, I'm pretty sure she's a girl. This comes from the campus semester. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure she's a girl, but she wants to identify as a guy. I said, well, what does her college ID say? It says she's female. Okay, I'm gonna proceed that she's female. Now, see, one of, this is something that's changed just in the last three or four years. The the time is coming when nobody's gonna list gender because that last word there's probably eight or nine different genders you could be. You hear that? <laughs> um, so Jay and I over the course of a year, she was only there a year, she transferred somewhere and we kind of lost sight of her, but over the course of the year we had some interesting interactions. There was the day when Jay said, well, I I want to identify with the guys. I want to go to the guys' overnight discipleship retreat. Campus minister calls me and says, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. The answer is no. Well, she says she might sue. Or Jay says Jay might sue. That's okay. We'll we'll take that case. (laughs) I'm not worried about that. Let's do the right thing. Now, now, Fast forward about another four months, campus minister calls me and says, got a new chapter with Jay. Jay is struggling because Jay is attracted to guys. And because Jay identifies as a guy, she's worried that she might be gay. Now, let me say that again. Jay's a girl, wants to identify as a guy is attracted to guys and therefore wonders if she's a lesbian or is gay. And in the midst of all of this, Jay's just wanting to be accepted. Jay's, you know, and and you don't shame somebody like that into the kingdom of God. You try to introduce them to Jesus. Her mother was Jewish and her dad was an atheist. And so there's a little doubt in my mind how she ended up as messed up emotionally and spiritually as she was. But over the course of a year, we just loved her. And I called her Jess, even when she didn't want to be called Jess. I wouldn't go with Jessica, but I wouldn't stay with Jay. Jess, let's talk. And we talked every now and then. And, and that you, we've got to be willing to do that. I think it was easier for me as she was a grand student, than if I'm I'm there every day and see how she's interacting with people and all that kind of stuff. I just, students love the generation of their grandparents. It's, it just so
1: happens that we have um, two retirees, uh, used to be teachers, one uh, was a principal, that's over our scholarship industry that reaches out and does a few things with college kids. And uh, they seem to enjoy them, but everybody else is like, why you put the old people in charge of the college kids?
0: It's, it's yeah, actually they really, do it really. Yes. And
2: uh, they're just really characters themselves. Yes.
0: And I can't explain it, and I just am telling you, I see it time after time, after time after time. And, and They'll they'll bring cookies one Wednesday night or Sunday. They'll bring sausage rolls or biscuits mm-hmm. on Sunday morning just because they love them and want to do something for them.
1: They invite them to the house. Yes. For them. You know, they have a little schedule.
0: And as it turns out, that kind of human intimacy, that kind of time spent, that kind of life on life is really what these kids need. They they come out of youth programs where they just kind of sat there in the midst of 100 people and were entertained. And what they desperately need is somebody to spend their life with them. Somebody to talk with them, to, to in a small group, talk about life and, and guys and girls and sex and alcohol and drugs and all the things that are trying to grab a hold of them, mm-hmm. and and a speaker up front in front of 50 people isn't isn't giving them what they need. It's a life on life in a small group where that kind of stuff is happening. Okay, any of the rest of these, I got Just kind of curious. Yeah. I
2: got stories. I mean, I'm to say, I well, what right. kind of just. I
0: got. What time is supposed What
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I
0: mean, just your life uh, and this was something else we talked about last night when when a kid is struggling with something uh, let's say we're in a small group this let, let's say you all are all college students and I'm leading the discussion tonight on whatever and something comes up uh, and and the student is feeling a lot of anxiety they feel uncomfortable they, they don't feel I, I just am uncomfortable with this subject and what we're going on. The part of stories that this is talking about is the leader's ability to say, you know, I remember a time in my life when I experienced something like this. They think they're the only ones that have experienced what they're experiencing, they think they're the only ones feeling what they're feeling, and they think everybody else has it all together, and they're the only ones that don't. So for you as a leader to say, yeah, I have I have a niece, who had a child out of wedlock. I remember how the family struggled with that. I remembered how at first I struggled with that. But here, here are some conclusions I came to. Here's some things the Lord taught me. I had, a, an uncle who was an alcoholic. Let me tell you, I watched what it did to that family. I watched how this happened, and all of a sudden, you, with your own story. You're connecting with their story that they thought nobody else would understand, and and that's part of why I say you. Some people can do that in a sermon, in front of in front of dozens or hundreds of people, but most people can't.
1: They want to know that you're real. They don't want to feel like you're up on a pedestal and you're high and mighty above them. And they like to see the down to earth mm-hmm. everybody as a sinner and everybody has gone through some things. And I think that, that opens them up. I know my daughter and son-in-law are younger at least, that leads it, but they felt a need part of our church. But those kids relate to them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they just, but <coughs> son-in-law is crazy, about he's on their level, <laughs> you know, but, they have a heart of worship and a heart for God, mm-hmm. so they bring all of that into that. It's like you say he's he's been through addiction and stuff,
0: so he can relate. Yeah, to that. let me tell you about what happened in my life. the The other thing, and and y'all forgive me if you feel this is heretical, but when when I preach and I'm telling the story of Zacchaeus, or I'm telling the story of the woman at the well, or I'm telling a lot of the parables and stories. I don't always read Scripture word for word. I tell the story. Now, I I try to tell it as biblically accurately as I can, but one of my favorite stories uh, to talk about with college ministry is the guys who let their friend down through the roof into the presence of Jesus. And I could read that in about 30 seconds. But when I tell it, (laughs) it takes about seven or eight minutes. And I've got kids... Looking up as the as the the ceiling starts to crumble and as all that clay starts to come apart, I've got them, I've got them looking at the looks on these guys' faces as they lower their friend down into the presence of Jesus. I'm, it's a little biblical creativity, but I, I try to stay within what I think the biblical truth is. But you take. A scripture like that now I don't do that with Romans I don't do that with Colossians there are a lot of places where you don't do that but with the stories of Jesus turn it into a story that's how Jesus taught he taught in stories he taught in parables so you know now you can you can abuse a story and turn it into something you want it to say but if you if you tell it in harmony with scripture
2: my wife's a lot better
0: than it. <laughs> um, And so you you think in your congregation, who's who's one of the best storytellers in our congregation? They, and there's there's almost always somebody who's just a gift for telling stories. Um, and then to have that person come in every now and then, and instead of spinning a yarn about how they put their teacher's carriage up on top of the roof. Have not spent a yarn about their life. Have, have them tell about a time in my life when I was struggling, and and uh, we have Marty Youngblood on our on our staff. He used to be one of my campus ministers. Now he's the the pastor wellness person for Southeast Georgia. Marty grew up in in rural South Carolina, and Marty just talks about his family, and you're just bent over double laughing. I think Mar- he
2: was in his class
1: last
0: night. Uh. Skinny, yes. yeah, just Marty. I mean, he.
1: He and
0: his brother did not get along. But, yeah, Mark, but Marty told stories, and and Marty just let you inside his life and his family, and there's all kind of spiritual meaning that kids, students love this, crave it, want it. I I went more than five minutes answering your question, you? or your question, whoever's question it was. I'm sorry. All right let's at least flip over to the back here and we can come back if we need to really important theory here with college students if if you're gonna if you're gonna have a ministry to college students you really need to know what they're committing to most students who will come to your church they're gonna if they're gonna commit an hour to your church they're gonna commit it to worship If, if student says the only time I'm gonna be in your church is one time a week they're gonna come to worship on Sunday morning how do we help our worship be more student-sensitive? How do we involve students in planning and implementation? How do we be sensitive to the college calendar? Um, you know, there's something neat at Christmas time with having one of your students who's been away all fall just to, to stand up and give a testimony about, here. here's some things I learned. Here's some things that were a part of my fall. Here's some ways that I've learned to appreciate how you all poured into my life when I was younger. That, that's powerful for the kid. If a student it gives them a chance to communicate, it, there's nothing like being an adult hearing that. If you taught them, if you were their, their music teacher in, in five-year-old music, if you were their Sunday school teacher in middle school and you didn't think they'd ever figure anything out, to have a student and then standing there talking about how much this church has meant to me and how much I realized I needed you all. That's, that's a way for your worship to be more student sensitive. For at the beginning of school to have an awareness of the college calendar, to have an awareness of when midterms are and, and for a pastor to simply say, this coming week are midterms on the college campus near us. Let's take an extra minute and pray for our college students and the college students sitting there it it whoa, these people care about me. This this person, this pastor is aware of my life. You know, when something happens on campus, did, how can our worship be more student sensitive? You you it doesn't mean students gotta preach. A student could give a five minute testimony about their summer where they serve. A student could give a three minute testimony. You know, you, you could do that once a month. And college students—whoa! This church cares about college students. They wanna—they wanna hear from us. To—to to have uh, a college student who's a worship leader at their BCU, to—to to have them come just lead one song with a guitar, or whatever they play. It—it it doesn't mean you turn over your whole music program and make it, but to do a special number one time They're... If, if you've been thinking about it, there are tons and tons of ways that your worship can be more student sensitive. And if you'll do that with the few who come, they'll want to bring people back. If they're going to spend two hours, if, if they say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to give more than just worship, then probably what they're, where they're going to connect is with a Bible study or a small group. So, how do we? We talked about some of that before with how you involve them in planning and implementation and, and being a part of those things and and how do we help in in some cases we have a college and career class well it, you how old are you 20 you go there well and in, in you've you've got everything from folks who are in the military to folks who are in college to folks who are single to folks who are have still, maybe in the thirteenth grade, the way they act—I mean, you've, you've got all that in one room, and and students just—I mm, don't think I'm going to go back to that class. <laughs> so, how do you be sensitive to to having something that meets their needs? And then, if if they're going to if they're committed to worship and they're committed to Bible study or small group, the next level of commitment is going to be in growth and ministry. What are some things we can have? if your church does a mission trip taking an extra step to make sure that that we invite college students to be along on that understanding that mama pays for the youth to go on their mission trip but mama may not be paying for a college student so how do we be sensitive to the fact that college students are paying some of their own bills and how do you know what are some of the ways in ministry you may have a group that goes and works at the youth detention center or You may have a group that goes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. You may have groups that are involved in local ministry in your church, but when's the last time you you looked at a college student and said, which of these would you like to be involved in? And you actually go out of your way to try to involve them in something. All of this combines to help your church be more relevant in their lives and helps them be more relevant in the church. It's both of those that we're trying to do. Um, be committed to their continued discipleship as well as the things they can do people get real frustrated with college ministry because in the end the budget committee looks at it and says these kids aren't giving any money at our church (laughs) no they're not but hopefully we're teaching them stewardship because there will come a day when they're going to get a paycheck There, there comes a day when the principles of stewardship can take root in their financial lives and, you know, they can be. There's so many ways they can be involved that are not financial and, and to be serious to those kind of things. And number five, all of this happens upon the base of being a collegiate sensitive church. What are the ways we can make worship small group Bible study? What are the things we need to do to be more sensitive? That clock has a glare. We left some time. Um, let me just hand out these other two things. Would you be a handsome assistant? And whatever you can do. Uh, one of these is, depending on what you all said, talking about college culture, a little more in depth. Uh, a snazzy diagram talking about all the stuff going on in a student's life and world. And uh, and then the other one is, if you say, okay, we want to start a college ministry in our church. It, It asks some reality questions. How much time do you have to give to this? Uh, Sometimes I'll have youth ministers here who say, we need to do something, but I'm not sure what to do. And that last handout is designed for folks like that because, you know, if if college students are number 14 on your job description list, then you've got to be really, okay, I've got about an hour a week to give to this. So how can I best use that hour to leverage this ministry, and so thank you. They get the answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what have I not? Where, where do you itch with this that I haven't scratched?
2: Yeah, I you know on the on the list at the beginning of beginning college ministry in the church. Yeah, you know, like I was kind of saying before. You know, uh, step number three. Uh huh. You have limited time
0: and limited resources. Sometimes I just feel like I don't have enough time to give them. Judas. And you don't. You don't. Right. That's it. that's it. And feeling guilty about it, it ain't gonna make you. It ain't gonna make it any better. Mm-hmm. And I only have an hour to give to this. How do I best give an hour? Maybe I spend my hour finding these these two retired teachers who can be a part of thing. Maybe maybe the best way I can spend my time is multiplying myself. And but and here's a here's here's a, a spiritual th- this is a spiritual reality for me. If you are praying, Lord, we have a great need in our church for this. Somebody in your church is praying, Lord. Give me a ministry that fits with what you want me to do, and your job isn't to develop this huge ministry. Your job is to help them find each other, help to to talk to the people in your church. What what do you have a passion for? What do you love to do? What age group do you feel? And when's the last time somebody asked the members of your church that question? <laughs> it almost never happens. Just to, to to send out a, a sheet on Sunday morning. We're, we're trying to find folks and we want to make sure we match people up with the areas that they have a passion for and let people check children's ministry, music um, and let college be one of those things or I, I love doing this or I love doing collect that stuff you want to make sure that we're matching people up with what they have a passion for when, when my son was younger and was in RAs Royal Ambassadors the equivalent of Awana whatever it is in your church they guilted me into being a leader of of fifth and sixth grade boys. That's the only way I know to put it. They they you have a son in there, nobody else will work with these boys. You got to do it. And so guilted as I was, I went and it got to the point, folks, where I would wake up on Wednesday mornings when I was in town, and I didn't want to go out of the house because tonight I've got to work with fifth and sixth grade boys, and and they're just you know I, and finally, I had to say, this, this is not where my passion is. I, Lord, I'll let you stretch me, and Lord, you have stretched me in many, many ways, but this is something well outside of, and if it gets to the point where you just dread doing it, then it's not in your passion, and there's only so long you can do that without it beginning to affect you. But there, I think for everything you think there's a need for in your church. There's somebody that's praying, Lord, give me a ministry. And you just have to find them and match him up with it. Uh, this, we, and it's about time for me to hush. This is, uh, th- these are some of the, the, the ways this generation and, and some of the ways all this stuff interacts with each other. There, there is no more medicated generation of depressive and psycho, psychometric drugs now, psychotropic meds. They they have a real problem with critical thinking. They have a real problem with problem solving. Uh, because they don't think well and they don't problem solve well, uh, think about what that means when it comes to sexual expectations. What What happens to the young lady who doesn't problem solve well, doesn't critically think well, she wants to be loved and appreciated. She want, and all of a sudden, how do you, how do you deal with having boundaries and sexuality, uh, and expectations? There, there are all kinds of ways in which these interact with each other. And have you ever seen more support animals in all your life? I mean, they're just everywhere, and some of very legitimate. When a vet comes home from. From Afghanistan uh, that that 's one thing when when somebody 's blind or or deaf, and you know that 's one thing, but we got support chickens i 've seen support um, there was somebody trying to get on a delta plane last year with a support snake and i 'm just telling you i 'm sorry i don 't think that 's real, and if you need a support snake, you need therapy probably all right uh, cards I was gonna get you all cards uh, anytime I can be available to help please let me know um, and campus ministers are all over the state I'll leave these right here y'all can grab one if you want it and uh, thanks for being